Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Numbers. Hello there, faithful listener. Thank you for taking time out of your Wednesday to tune in to this episode of the Bible Explained podcast. And the reason I call you faithful listener is because you're not my faithful listeners, but you're God's faithful listeners. You are faithfully listening to the Bible. And I'm also a faithful listener because I am reading the Bible with you guys and trying to learn it and understand it and apply it to my own life. So we're all faithful listeners, all of us who are trying to apply the Bible to our own lives. But you know what? I am very thankful to everybody who has continued to tune into the podcast for all this time. I just found out recently that um, the Bible Explained podcast, I believe, is number 106 on Apple Podcasts for podcasts talking about philosophy. So yeah, I, I was I was kind of excited about that. <laughs> so thank you for continuing to tune in. I see all you guys. I'm appreciative of all of your reviews, your ratings. So continue to rate and review the podcast because that is how the podcast is going to get spread. It's going to be found by more, more people. It's a great way to evangelize as weird as that is. But okay, let's talk about Numbers chapter 23 versus the entire thing. So 1 through 30. And you know what? I'm actually going to break this up and read it into little bits and pieces. So I'm going to start with verses 1 through, let's see here. Um, Yeah, verses 1 through 13 is what I'll start with. So grab your Bible, your cup of coffee or your cup of tea or your energy drink or your cup of chocolate milk or whatever else you're drinking. And let's go ahead and read Numbers 23 verses 1 through 13. Balaam said to Balak, build here seven altars for me and prepare here seven bulls and seven rams for me. Balak did as Balaam had spoken, and Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bull and a ram. Balaam said to Balak, stand by your burnt offering and I will go. Perhaps Yahweh will come to meet me. Whatever he shows me, I will tell you. He went to a bare height. God met Balaam and he said to him, I have prepared the seven altars and I have offered up a bull and a ram on every altar. Yahweh put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return to Balak, and thus you shall speak. He returned to him, and behold, he was standing by his burnt offering, he and all the princes of Moab. He took up this parable and said, From Aram has Balak brought me, the king of Moab from the mountains of the east. Come, curse Jacob for me, come and defy Israel. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? How shall I defy whom Yahweh has not defied? For from the top of the rocks I see him, from the hills I see him. Behold, it is a people that dwells alone, and shall not be listed among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob, or count the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous. Let my last end be like his. Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies, and behold, you have blessed them altogether. He answered and said, must I not take heed to speak that which Yahweh puts into my mouth? Balak said to him, Please come with me to another place where you may see them. You shall see just part of them and shall not see all of them. Curse them from there for me. So Balaam's kind of a weird guy. He's like sort of a shysty little character. But he is a prophet, which is very interesting. And he's also not an Israelite either. 
He's like this random prophet that just like a Gentile prophet that just kind of existed. And he really liked his money. The reason he went to this King Balak to begin with was because he really wanted the money and the fame and the honor that would come with all of this. So even though Balaam didn't directly disobey God, he disobeyed God in his heart. He disobeyed God because he wanted something that was contrary to God's will. And God had specifically said to Balaam, don't go and curse the people. Don't go to Balak at all because he wants you to come so that you can curse the people for him. But you aren't going to curse them because they are a blessed people. So Balaam disobeyed God in his own heart. He wanted something contrary to what God wanted. And so he ended up going to Balak anyway. God agreed. He's like, you know what? Just go. But you are going to say what I tell you to say. And honestly, it would have been better had Balaam just not gone at all <laughs> uh, for himself, honestly, because, yeah, he, he gets in a little bit of trouble here. But anyway, Balaam goes to this king, Balak, and starts out by saying, build here seven altars for me and prepare here seven bulls and seven rams for me. What I find really interesting about this is that the Gentiles understood sacrifice because we see evidence of sacrifice way back at the very beginning with like Noah sacrifice was something that was known it was done by all the nations it was not something that was abnormal to do God when he placed his rules or put his rules in front of the Israelite people I should say and told them what to do he put limitations on sacrifice actually and refined it so that it was done in a correct way. But it's so interesting to see an evidence here of two people, Balaam and Balak, who were not Israelites, who were Gentiles, that understood the concept of sacrifice and did sacrifice. So Balaam and Balak built the seven altars and prepared the seven bulls and the seven rams to be killed on the altars. So each altar had one bull and one ram killed on it. And this would have, I'm going to guess, taken a while. It would have taken quite a while to build these seven altars. I think at least a couple days, right? I don't know. Balak did as Balaam had spoken, and Balak and Balaam offered on the altar, on every altar, a bull and a ram. So after this, Balaam says to Balak, you know what, stand here, wait here, I'm going to go up to this like secret place or this quiet place where you're not going to follow me and I'm going to try to talk to God there so that he can tell me what to do. So that's what happens. And God met with Balaam. And the interesting thing about this is how merciful God is, because even though Balaam was a kind of a crazy guy, an animal beater and a disobeyer and a greedy person. God still cared about Balaam. He still loved him. He forgave Balaam is kind of what it sounds like. I don't know if Balaam's heart was changed at this point or not. I'm going to guess it wasn't. I'm going to guess that Balaam truly did want the riches that would come with cursing Israel because I feel like he would not have gone to see the king at all. Like he would have just said, you know what, I'm going to go back home. But he didn't do that. So I'm just going to guess that Balaam stayed the same <laughs> through all of this. Balaam talks with God. God talks to him. And to me, this entire thing proves that there are people in our churches that are similar to Balaam who don't necessarily care about God. 
who can still have great spiritual gifts because God gave Balaam this uh, prophecy. So we got to watch out for people like Balaam, people who are in it for their own gain. I mean, I know many people struggle with that, but I think if that's the main motivation is spreading the gospel for your own gain or doing something similar to that, that person is a false teacher. And I believe that there are, unfortunately, and I've said this so many times already, preachers out there who that's their main desire is to gain the fame and the money and the resources that comes with preaching the gospel. We just got to watch out for preachers like that. Preachers like Balaam, I suppose, that are in our church, that have infiltrated the church and are doing it for their own gain. Even though they may be spreading the gospel, chances are if they are doing it for their own gain, they're not going to actually do what God calls them to do. But anyway, so God put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, return to Balak and thus you shall speak. So Balaam, Balaam does it. He returns to Balak and he says this little parable, this little story. And he mentions how Balak wanted him to come and curse the people of Israel. But he says here in verse eight, how shall I curse whom God has not cursed? How shall I defy whom Yahweh has not defied? Then he talks about how great Israel is and how he wishes that he could die a death similar to Israel's because Israel is righteous. Let my last end be like his. But after Balaam says all of this, Balak gets really mad and he's like, what have you done to me? (laughs) I took you to curse my enemies and behold, you have blessed them all together. And so um, Balaam is kind of like, well, I have to speak what Yahweh puts in my mouth. Like I have to. (laughs) Yeah. But Balak is an interesting guy as well because he recognizes that Balaam has this gift of prophecy. He recognizes that God is God, I would say, because he calls him Yahweh. We'll see that in a minute. And also he wanted Balaam, who was a prophet of God, to curse the people because he knew that there was power in that. So Balak the king is an interesting guy as well because he understands God He understands the benefit, I suppose, of God, but he doesn't actually care about God's word because here's what he says next. You know what? Come over and look at another part of the people, these Israelite people. Come over here and see if you can curse them from there. So (laughs) he's trying to get Balaam to curse them on this next side and see like, oh, here's another group of people. Maybe at least you can curse this smaller group of people of the Israelites from this mountain over here. So Balaam goes. So it says here, I'm going to finish reading this up, verses 14 through 30. He took him into the field of Zophim to the top of Pisgah and built seven altars and offered up a bull and a ram on every altar. He said to Balak, stand here by your burnt offering while I meet with God over there. Yahweh met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, return to Balak and say this. He came to him and behold, he was standing by his burnt offering And the princes of Moab were with him. Balak said to him, what has Yahweh spoken? So he took up this parable and said, rise up, Balak, and hear. Listen to me, you son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and he won't do it? Or has he spoken and he won't make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. 
He is blessed and I can't reverse it. He has not seen iniquity in Jacob. Neither has he seen perverseness in Israel. Yahweh his God is with him. The shout of a king is among them. God brings them up out of Egypt. He has, as it were, the strength of a wild ox. Surely there is no enchantment with Jacob. Neither is there any divination with Israel. Now it shall be said of Jacob and Israel, what has God done? Behold, a people rises up like a lioness. As a lion, he lifts himself up. He shall not lie down until he eats of the prey and drinks the blood of the slain. Balak said to Balaam, neither curse them at all or bless them at all. But Balaam answered Balak, didn't I tell you that all that Yahweh speaks, I must do? Balak said to Balaam, come now and I'll take you to another place. Perhaps it will please God that you may curse them from there. Balak took Balaam to the top of Peor that looks down on the desert. Balaam said to Balak, build seven altars for me here and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me here. Balak did as Balaam had said and offered up a bull and a ram on every altar. So yeah, this is costing uh, <laughs> Balak quite a bit of money here because he has to build all these altars and sacrifice all these bulls and rams and stuff. And that stuff was not easy to come by because, I mean, a bull would have been worth a lot of money as it is nowadays. It says here that Balak wanted Balaam to curse the people from a different area. <laughs> so don't forget, they're looking down at Israel. And Balak the king wants Balaam to curse Israel from up on the mountain. Like, look down at them and be like, you guys are cursed. But of course, Balaam can't do that without God's approval. He just can't. And Balak is not getting this hint that God just is not going to allow Balaam to curse the people of Israel. But he feels like if they go to a different part of the people and look at a different part of them, maybe those guys will be cursed over there or whatever. But Balaam does the same thing. He asks Balak to build seven altars and sacrifice these rams and these bulls up on this other mountain, this mountain of, uh, what's it say here? This mountain of Pisgah. He wants him to build more altars, sacrifice more animals, and then he will go talk to Yahweh. So Balaam goes and talks to Yahweh. Yahweh gives Balaam another word and says, return to Balak and say this. So Balaam comes to Balak and Balak was standing there with all the princes of Moab next to his burnt offerings or whatever. And so Balak's like, what, what's Yahweh spoken now? Like, go ahead, curse the people. And so Balaam does the opposite. He's like, look here, God is not a man that he should lie. And he's not a son of man that he should repent. So God doesn't think like us. He's not like us. And he doesn't need to repent because he doesn't do anything wrong. So God is not going to lie. And if he says that the people are blessed, then they're blessed. That's just what it is. And that's a promise for you and me too. The promises of the Bible remain true to this day. God does not lie. So if we look at these promises in scripture, we know that we have them to this day. Because God is not a man that he should lie. Has he said and he won't do it? That's what Balaam says. So God is everlasting. He's never changing. If he says he's going to bless somebody, he's going to bless them. If he promises something to somebody, he keeps the promise. So we have so many promises in scripture where we see that God is good. We see that God helps us, cares for us. We see all this stuff and we forget it. We forget God's goodness. We forget all of it because we see the problem in front of us and we, we just forget about God. So it's interesting to remember little verses like this, that God is unchanging so that when those problems come our way, basically, when we get trials and whatever else, we can remember how good God is. And that's basically what Balaam is saying to Balak 
that these people are blessed. It doesn't matter if I go to this mountain or this mountain or look at them from over here or over there. It doesn't matter. The people are blessed. So that's basically what all of this is about. Then he talks about how strong Israel is and how strong Israel is going to be. Israel shall not lie down until he eats of the prey and drinks the blood of the slain. <laughs> that's what verse 24 says. Like, holy moly, that is something that's that's scary. And so I'm going to guess that the king was pretty horrified at this. So Balak in verse 25 says to Balaam, neither curse them at all or bless them at all. So see, Balak doesn't understand God. He recognizes God, but he doesn't understand God. And he's not actually caring what God has to say. Because he says to Balaam, it's almost as if he believes Balaam is doing all this rather than God in a way, because he says, look, if you're not going to curse them, don't bless them either. That's what he says. But Balaam's like, no, like this comes from God. All Yahweh speaks, I must do. That's what Balaam says. So Balaam, you know, like I said, interesting person, because in the end, he does begin to obey God. And I feel that he recognizes that he cannot disobey God, I suppose, even though he disobeyed God in his heart. With his actions, he can't disobey God. And I mean, I don't know. I really think Balaam's just a, a very weird person. <laughs> but I do think he has some redeeming qualities, I suppose. And But anyway, moving forward, here's another thing that Balak says. He's just like, look here, you know what? Let's go see if you can curse them over here. So he just doesn't get it. Balak is not recognizing that God is blessing these people. He's also not recognizing that God has blessed Moab as well, because that's where this king is from. Obviously, this is Moab. And he doesn't recognize that God has already blessed Moab and the Israelite people weren't going to touch Moab either. So all of this was totally unnecessary, really. And Balak just doesn't get it. He doesn't get it at all. Balak takes Balaam to the top of Peor that looks down on the desert. And Balaam says to Balak, build the seven altars. So now he has to, once again, this Balak guy from this different location, they moved. Balak again has to build these seven altars and sacrifice the cattle on these altars. So that's what happened. And we're going to read Numbers chapter 24 next. So join in then and we're going to finish out this story of Balaam and Balak, which by the way, oh my gosh, I messed up their names so much. Balaam and Balak. So similar in names that I was uh, constantly saying Balak for Balaam and vice versa. <laughs> oh, boy. But anyway, I hope you guys did enjoy this episode. I hope it was coherent. <laughs> and I hope you remember, though, that God never changes. So when you see these promises in scripture that are for you, don't forget that God never changes and that he is going to give you those promises. Well, anyway, guys, make sure to tune in tomorrow for an episode out of Luke. And if you are looking for a great devotional to do by yourself or with your study group, I recommend uh, doing Out of the Mire, the one that I wrote two years ago that talks about overcoming depression and finding your purpose in Christ. Because I wrote that when I was going through one of the worst times of my life career-wise. And I was like, what is my purpose? Because it certainly can't be this awful job. And so I ended up writing that devotional for people who are struggling also with their purpose, finding it, recognizing what God wanted them to do. Because God says, it's a promise, that we have a purpose. So if you are struggling with that or you know somebody who is, check out Out of the Mire, a devotional on the life of Joseph. And I will link 
that devotional in the bio of this podcast episode, and you can get that on Amazon. But anyway, friends and faithful listeners, I will see you bright and early tomorrow morning for an episode out of Luke. Happy listening and God bless.